Okay, so we continue in Gemara Moe Cotton. We're on Daf Tes Vav Amadal 15a. We're going through different uh, uh, things that mourners are not allowed to do. And then we correlate that to those who are in excommunication and to those that are Mitzoras, because there's a lot of similarities. So we got to see where there are differences as well. So we move on to the now, next topic of Tvilin. Now again, we have not yet defined exactly wh- what Ovel we're speaking about. In other words, um, we know that we sit seven days Shiva. But the question is, is that the biblical or rabbinic aspect of Shiva, which is another topic, because you're going to now come across something, you're going to say, I never heard of this. So this is one of them. A mourner is forbidden to put on tefillin. Okay, now, look, already you see, the footnote says that later on, as a machlokas, how many days is the mourner forbidden to wear tefillin? That's the issue. So that's a big, big issue. Obviously, um, there is one day that you don't put on the tefillin. What about the others? So that will be, we'll leave that discussion for later on, but there is a, an idea that a mourner does not wear tefillin. How do we know that? Again, when we're dealing with Yecheskel, who has to mourn for his wife, what does Hashem tell him to do? Since Hashem told Yecheskel, you shall on your glory upon yourself even though you are a mourner you are going to be the exception that you will wear tefillin tefillin is called a pe'er your glory so Yecheskel is being told wear your tefillin and not to publicly mourn his wife okay now why is it called glory because our glory to wear a divinely mandated ornament in a most prominent position, which is the center of the head. So really, we have to look at wearing tefillin as wearing jewelry that Hashem is giving us. And just like we wear, when women wear jewelry, it's to show that their husbands love them and that they think about their husbands all the time. So too, we're married to God, as it were, and we there wear his jewelry as well. So that's a glorious thing. So, Yecheskel, you will be the exception to the rule. The mourner does not put on tefillin. And that's Michlau, since he is the exception to the rule. The implication is, to kuli alma or for everybody else, it is prohibited to wear tefillin. And again, later on, we'll discuss how long does one not wear tefillin. Okay, how about Menuda, one who is in excommunication? Mao, what about him? Bit villain to wear it's villain. Kamar tells you right off. Teiku, we don't have an answer. The issue remains unresolved. And generally, in all these takus, we take the strict approach on that. Okay, next. Mitsara, Mahu, bit villain. What about a Mitsara? Does Mitsara wear villain? Tashma, coming here the following from Sukim in the text. It says by Hatsarua, one who has Saras, begot of you, Farumim, Farosho Yefarua. 
Okay, the person with Tsaras has that says Vahatsarua and the Tsarua, which is an extra word, and we're gonna see a number of ways to interpret this pasuk. Let's take a look at the entire pasuk. Vatsarua Asher Bohanega, the person with Tsaras who has the affliction. The God of Yil Farumim, his garment shall be ripped. Verosho Yefarua, and his head should be unshorn, let the hair grow. Valsafam Yate, and he wraps himself up until the lips. Vitame Tame Yikra, and Tame Tame he shall call. Okay, so now this is the whole Pasik. So what are we going to do from this word, Vahatsarua? The word sarua, the Brisa says, Lorabos calling Godel. This includes at the extra word sarua comes to include a coin Godel in the laws of Tsaras. That's number one. Next part, the god of you for whom his garment shall be ripped, meaning to say, Shumikuraim, it shall be cut. That's what Frumi means. Ferosha Farua, and his head should be unshorn. Ain priya. When the word priya is said, it means ella only gidol ser. Let the hair grow. It's all divrei rabbelos. It's all the words rabbelos. That's how he looks at every aspect of this pasuk. Rabbi Akiva Mer. Rabbi Akiva says, Nemar havaya barosh. It uses the expression of havaya, being. When it says about the head, as it says barosho. Yeah, yeah, shall be. Why does it have to be shall be when it says regarding the head? And also, Venemar, it also says the expression of Havaya being the begged by the garment, as it says, the God of Yihiu Furumim shall be Furumim. Now, the common form in each phrase of the verse allows us to make an analogy since it says by both. It says by the head it should be unshorn, it should be. And then by the garment should be ripped, it should be. So that those words should be means there's a similarity between the two of them. So what is the similarity? What it use the word being, it should be when it says by a begot. What is the beget? The garment is dover shechutz megufo. It's talking about something that is internal to the body, external. external. External garment is external to the garment. So we're doing, it should be something external should be dealt with and you rip it. So when it talks about the hair, afavaya barosh, when it's talking about the head, it's be dover shechutz megufo. It should be something outside of your body, external to your body. So what is external to your body on your head? My love, isn't that tefillin? Isn't that tefillin? So according to Rabbi Akiva, Mitzorah is forbidden to wear tefillin. Rabbi Lazar holds, however, he is obliged to perform the mitzvah of tefillin. Okay, the word parua certainly means uncovered, as it says, and he shall uncover the head of a woman. But the gzerah shove, the two words together, means the head must be uncovered by removing something that's external to the head, as opposed to something that comes straight from the head, which is the hair. 
So uncovered, uncovered what? Okay, so we have to uncover something. So you could uncover the hair from the head, but that's internal. And just like the garment is external, so there's something external that has to be removed, and that's the tefillin to keep the hair uncovered. So that is it comes out to be Amachlokes, Rabbi Eliezer, and Rabbi Akiva, in terms of is an avel, is the, uh, uh, the person with saras forbidden to have tefillin on or not, that is a machlokes. Okay, now that we're on the top, but the Gemara says, maybe that's not a proof. Amar of Papa, says Rav Papa, lo, the verse does not necessarily have to allude to tefillin as the only external thing, according to Rav Akiva. It could be ahumta v'sudra. Maybe it could be a hat and a turban. People wear hats. Okay, that's also external. Okay, so he may not cover his head with these items. Okay, so that's uh, the idea over there. So it's no proof for Rabbi Akiva, and therefore uh, it would seem from this that since he has no proof, that means the person who has Tsaras does not have to take off his tefillin. Okay, next subject is greeting people. Avail Osir Bishela Shalom. A mourner is forbidden to engage in greeting others, meaning inquiring about their welfare. Now, the postkim discuss what's considered a greeting that's prohibited. What is a greeting? Now, obviously, the idea is to encourage socializing, friendship, etc., etc. The mourner is not supposed to be distracted again. Remember, all these things as the mourner should not be distracted from mourning. So what is greeting, so to speak? So the Ramah, who sees, again, the Ramah, most commonly when he paskins halach, he does a lot by what we see people doing. At least in those days, when people did things, it was based on some uh, halacha that people were following. We couldn't say that nowadays. But he says that he sees people are leaning. So he suggests that those contemporary greetings were not the ones prohibited by the Gemara. And the Berhetev adds that greetings such as Tzav for the Maritav, good morning, which is not actually an inquiry about someone's welfare, should be permissible according to that view. That's what the Ramah says. In practice, however, the Ramah agrees that one must not greet a mourner during the first 30 days of his mourning period, regardless of how the greeting is worded, etc. We'll see later on, again, in Daf Chafavam based the parameters of the prohibition. Certainly, things such as Shalom Aleichem is not allowed, and according to most posts, good morning as well is not allowed. In other words, it, the, the normal greetings which lead on to social <coughs> involvement is not allowed. Okay, anyway, we'll get into more details later, but that is a general idea. So especially people go to Shiva houses, you know, there's, there's, there's not a time for greetings per se. To, how do we know this? Again, everything's coming from Yecheskel. To Kamalei Rachmali Yecheskel, what did Hashem say to Yecheskel? Here he's telling him to show aspects of mourning. And he says, hey, onek dom, grieve and be silent. Okay, so though in most areas he's not to be act like a mourner, 
but he was supposed to keep certain things. And being silent means do not inquire about another person's welfare. Tosa explained that Cheskel did observe a few practice rites of mourning, um, and that's a whole story why certain ones and why not other ones. But clearly, he should be silent. It goes both ways. The mourner does not greet people, and people should not greet the mourner. It goes both ways um, during the 30 days of mourning. Okay, so now we know the mourner does not greet. What about Menuda? Uh, the one who's excommunicated. Can he be Vishela Shalom, greet people, etc.? So Amar Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, I'll give you a proof from a brisa, Toshma, rather a Mishnah, teaches the people how to comport themselves. Remember, we have those 13 fasts for rain. We don't have rain, so what are things we're not allowed to do? It says, People don't greet each other. When there's no rain, it's not a time for greeting each other. Why? Because we already had this before. You have to act as people who've been rebuked before Hashem. In fact, he has not brought any rain. It's like there's a rebuke. So, just like God, so to speak, excommunicates the Jewish people, and the halach is you don't greet each other. So where the assumption is, if a person's been excommunicated, we should not greet as well. Okay, and what last time we want to bring a proof, we knocked out the proof from what happens to us during when there's no rainfall. Remember what the knockout of the proof is? says, Maybe when one is rebuked from heaven, it is different. We're talking about a community. That maybe is more stringent okay in other words when Hashem is mad at a community okay the community has to be very take it very seriously but maybe if a regular excommunication comes where it's just from people and not from God maybe we'd be lenient so it's no proof from there keep this in mind because later on the Gemara is going to use this same answer to show there's no proof but it's going to use it in an opposite way. So I'm telling you, remember this. So a few lines from now, you jump with a question. But it seems here, he's saying it's no proof just because God, so to speak, is upset when he's upset with everybody. We're strict about certain things. I mean, we'd be strict if a Bezdin excommunicates someone. So no proof with that case. Mitzorah mahu b'shele shalom. What a mitzorah is he greeted? Tashma, let's see the Pasuk says, again, Val Safam Yata, and he shall veil himself up to his lips. Shusif Sosov, Meduvaka Subasu, to teach that his lips shall cleave to one another. He's closing, he's covering up the lips. What does that mean? So he should not talk. Shouldn't greet beating people. Shiahei Kimunuda Uka Aval, that he should be like. An excommunicated person, aha, uh-huh. guess doesn't greet either, huh? And the mourner, okay. shalom, and he's forbidden to engage in greeting others, aha. Uh-huh. Now the Lord before said he veils the mitzvah square to wrap his head. So how can we learn from here? You're prohibited to greet other people. Aren't you learning two things? So Rashi implies that our teaching us from that which the verse says safam. A contracted form of the word svasos, which are lips. So for seeming to say that lips should be locked together. Shmamina. Oh, so we have a proof 
for the Mitzara. I but remember this Brisa threw in like a menuda, like an excommunicated person. So now the more asked, so now let's go back and extrapolate for the excommunicated person, which we did not have a proof, but from this price it seems to have a proof. So he says, no, Amar of Achabar Pinchas Meshader of Yosef, he says, no, 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 it doesn't say Mik Tani Sha'asur, it says, yes, he doesn't talk like a Mitzora and a Menuna, but the Bryson did not state explicitly that a Mitzora should. Uh, should be that Mitzur should be like an excommunicated person who's forbidden to greet people, meaning it rather says that the Brisa says that he should be like an excommunicated person and a mourner regarding to other manners, to other things. And the Brisa then concludes, and in addition, the Mitzara, only the Mitzara is engaged. In other words, had the Bryce's last phrase been Sha'asr Bishelis Shalom, then it would say that his lips shall cleave to one another. In other words, that he should be like an excommunication who's forbidden to greet others. The Bryce was obviously saying explicitly, excommunicated person is forbidden to greet. But the last phrase with the words Ve'asr, with above, not a shin. It's the last phrase is independent of the excommunicate mentioned in the immediately preceding statement. So Rav Acha Barpichas thus reads the rest of this, and he should veil himself to the lips. The verse teaches that his lips shall cleave to one another. That's the law of a Mitzara, is that he should be like an excommunicate mourner in other matters like hair cutting and laundering. He's also forbidden, but none of that's an extra new clause so that's how he interprets, so it is no proof from that. Good. Next. Um, yeah. So the Mitzora or the excommunicate, <laughs> no they're not allowed to greet. But what the people that come in contact with them? Are they allowed to greet them or not? No. no. That's what saying, both ways. But it doesn't say that. that that's don't... what it means. That's what it means. We're not greeting. Usually greetings come together. So that's what we're saying. If his lips are shut, it means you know you don't you don't. His lips are shut. But you don't greet someone who is not going to greet you back. Well, you don't know that. He's a matzora, so you know. He's a mourner, you know. The whole idea of greeting, there is a playing down socializing. So how can you socialize if one person says how are you, the other guy's got to respond, and you? Yes. It goes reciprocity. So we just don't have any. Finished. So applies to people as well. Everybody else, right. not allowed to do that. That's yeah. right. So a mourner, you do not greet a mourner, okay. even though you're not the mourner. Yeah, but it didn't say the people said only specifically the mourner. The right. So he, it's not in the greeting process. That means we can't greet him either because it always goes together. The Gemara says, for example, if you greet somebody, he doesn't respond. He's like a ganav to you. Exactly. So then why would... If the guy can't respond and greet, so why would you be allowed to greet him? It's the awkwardness. So there's just no socializing. That's that's the real point. In other words, we don't do, normally it's a good thing to say, how are you, this or that, you know, fine, what about you, how's the family, the kids, blah, blah. That's normal, you like people, you want to know what's involved with them. But the mourner now is supposed to be very inwardly focused. It's not time for chit-chat. Okay. So we have... Uh... Severe drought, and you have special prayers. 
So people do not greet each other. What about during a war? That's up for the rabbis to decide. Uh, but obvi obviously, a certain thing should not be done. Right? I mean, the, the, there is a war. So, you know, schmoozing and socializing. You know, you got to be helping people, not schmoozing people. Okay? It's not, it's, it's not like, you know, biz business as usual. Right? Now, the question, how far do you take it? You know, with war is a difference, you know, more. <clears throat> We'd have to look in other Gomorrahs to see what is with war. You, you, but see, you have to be em, have empathy to other people, but uh, this like jovial way of greeting, etc., etc. That's uh, a good question. Okay, next thing a mourner cannot do: avel asur b'divrei Torah. An avel is prohibited from studying words of Torah. Again, from Yecheskel, Hashem said Yecheskel. Don't be silent, which implies silence from greeting others, as we learn, and also silence from uttering words of Torah, right? Because both silences are natural to when one is in grief. And we just read in the Shema, Vidibartabam, you speak to it, etc., etc. The Tosfas says, why we derive the law for other mourners from Yechesko with respect to Torah study while respect to Tefillin, we don't. Okay, fine, it's a whole discussion over there. Now, there, there can be more reasons for this. What would be the obvious reason why a mourner cannot study Torah? That's right, the pleasure from the Torah. The words of Torah uh, are, uh, is Mesam uh, Chelev, gladdens the heart person get, is very happy when he studies Torah. Therefore, we don't do things that make you very happy. That's why we... The mourn of El, the mourner, the mourner seven days. This, that, again, that's all those things later on are going to make a difference between the day of burial, the first three days, the full seven days, the 30 days of the year for a parent. That's going to be in the next period. Well, this be in the Shnayas, because the Shema, there, he doesn't learn. He doesn't learn. He just sits there. Okay. He's hearing so, it though. Maybe doesn't he learn matter. He's not. He's not. No, no, no. Okay. So there's. So here's the thing. He can learn certain things, but he only can learn depressing subjects, like the Book of Job. He can learn this Gemara. Laws of mourning. This Gemara, the laws of mourning. He can learn those things. Uh, he can learn that pages in the Talmud that talk about the destruction of the temple. Plenty of things he could learn, believe me. But it has to be sad topics. When people are learning Mishnayis, he really should not be uh, learning per se uh, that Mishnayis. He's not supposed to be learning. Um, he's sitting there, but he shouldn't be paying attention. But he can what? He says Torah for the halachas that he has to know to keep. He's going to learn the laws of mourning. Obviously, he, he better be learning the laws of mourning. So he has, just like on Tisha B'Av, we say There's a lot of comparisons between Tisha B'Av and a mourner. So, but a lot of things he can't do. And, see, and that is a common mistake. Because the mourner figures, oh, now I can be a little more spiritual. The rabbi always said I should go to a Talmud class. 
And now I got the time, I can't work anyway, so I'm going to make the rabbi so happy I'll study Gemara. And then he tells the rabbi, the rabbi says, that's very nice, can you do it after Shiva, not during Shiva? So that's where if you don't know the halachas, you can do the exact opposite thing. So, so that's why uh, when I'm in a mourner's house and we do Torah, so I try to um, do more words of Musr. So I'll, I'll pick something out of Pirkei Avos, and that's more Musr, so that's not quote-unquote like real Torah, so to speak. So, so Musr is something you can always uh, say. You pick a Mishnah that talks about death and things like that. You know, you're, you come into this world against your will, and you leave this world against your will, and you start talking about death. That's proper discussion of what to have when you're doing that. If the mourner's paying attention, if the mourner's not paying attention, then that's fine. But he cannot learn Torah. Now, now for some, for some, learning Torah is very painful. <laughs> like the story I said on Shabbos during the Kiddush, where the rabbi is willing to pay the workers to study Torah. But be that as it may, they still don't study Torah. They said about the rugged shover, the rugged shover was an incredible genius. And, you know, we could border on uh, if he had um, social issues. I'm not going to comment on that. But it was, he, he, he was just a learning machine. All he did was learn. I mean, yeah, obviously he did mitzvahs, but he was learning and was so intent on learning. He learned during his shiva. And they said, how can you learn during your shiva? He said, when the rabbis instituted these things, they did not intend to inflict pain upon you. For example, um, uh, even though the Talmud says that uh, a mourner does not bathe himself, but we understand that to mean he doesn't bathe for pleasure. But if he's suffering, he doesn't, doesn't anoint himself either. What if he has a skin condition and he has to anoint himself with medications? Rabbis never said you can't do that. They never made these rules to make you, to inflict pain on you. The ways of the Torah are beautiful. It's not here to self-flagellate during the morning period. It is to not indulge in things. So taking a nice warm bath, that's indulging. And in those days, that's what a bath was. And they didn't take it every day either, right? So therefore, that was like a special case. You go to the bathhouse, it's a whole geschäft. And it was more for pleasure. Okay, now in this snowflake generation that we all are part of, you have mamish, if you don't take a shower a day, you feel like you're filthy, even though you don't sweat a whole day. It's an Irish kite. It really is. And uh, you can really go many days without taking a shower, and there's nothing unhealthy and nothing about that at all. But that's the way people are. People have, um, what do you call it, um, uh, train themselves to be delicate. And that's what it is. That's only North America. Well, any modern places. I mean, I'm sure in Europe too. I'm sure in England, and I'm sure, you know, and some people taking two showers a day. I'm not saying, you know, you know, it's 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 nice, but we're, we've become so we've indulged ourselves so much. If a person doesn't take a shower for a week, he's going to mamish feel he's in pain. He's I'm dying, like mamish dying. Okay, never the guys. Okay, so okay, take a quick shower. 
a quick uh, shower for two minutes and just wash up and, and go by. Okay, but we allow it because the people are, and there's a hello more, we'll say, a person who's an istinist, very delicate person, we have to be leaning because his mom is suffering. Okay, never made the suffering. So for most people, they don't learn Torah, okay, it's not the end of the world. For him, he, he, there's nothing else to do but to study Torah. For him, that's like eating breakfast because his mind is hungry for knowledge and he suffers great pain if he doesn't learn. So to make sure he doesn't suffer great pain, so we'll make a leniency for him to be able to learn. So that's the idea of, but for most people, okay, I don't learn, so I can't, I can't indulge myself in the joy of Torah. But if not, I'll find something else to do. So that's the halacha, you can't have it for joy. Well, now, well, that's the other thing. Shiva yeah, turns into a food festival. means well by bringing the meals, but... They don't know what to do. Because people don't know how to empathize anymore. They just know how to eat. <laughs> and they offer and, it to the guests. They say, Yourself, that's that is mamish the ab it's mamish wrong it's a it's a hundred percent wrong to do this and when the rabbi tells this to these families they think the rabbi is the most unhospitable person in the world what's wrong with you everyone's going to say we were chintzy and we didn't offer any food and this and that and we have to distract ourselves from mourning so therefore we're going to worry about making sure everyone has what to eat that is totally wrong and it's not taught that way okay um uh, Let's, uh, let's leave the uh, Menuda and the Tzmatsura for tomorrow in that area. Okay, Shkoyach.